Hey guys, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield. And in case this is maybe your very first episode on Just the Good Stuff, welcome to my first solo episode. I have never done a podcast recording completely by myself yet. I never really anticipated recording something like this, but with all of the influx of questions about motherhood and weaning as from nursing and you know everything going on with this quarantine right now, there is no time like the present because as you guys know, I recorded in the past all of my episodes pretty much in person because um, I love that human interaction and it makes the conversation so much more like organic and natural and a little more free flowing. But in the meantime, I'm going to be recording this solo episode. I have a couple of Skype interviews set up for the next few weeks. So I am going to be releasing some not in-person episodes, but I'm excited that, you know, something positive that came out of this quarantine and time at home is my first solo episode with you guys. So this is going to be a lot of talking from me. I don't even think I'm able to like talk after this from all of the uh, chit chat and all this kick-ass conversation I'll be having with myself sitting on the floor in my closet, might I add. Jordan is clearly still working from home. Ezra is currently taking his afternoon nap and I am sitting on the floor in my closet because I don't want to risk any noise and on my hardwood floor. So I put a little like fabletic sweatsuit under my tush so that my ass doesn't fall asleep uh, halfway through this episode. But I'm super excited for this rundown with you guys because it is has so this episode has so much good info and insight for you. Um, of course, I want to preference preface in the beginning that I am no expert on motherhood. I am a new mom. I still consider myself a new mom. This is my first time around. What I do doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. I have no idea. Everything has been trial and error and learning as we go along. Um, But I'm grateful to be able to share some of my like tips, tricks, failures, and, you know, just some of our like vulnerabilities as a family along the way with you guys, because I definitely never thought I would feel more connected to humans in my life until I became a mom. Now, anytime I see a mom, especially with like a newborn on the sidewalk, I make go on my way to make conversation. I ask them how they're feeling. I ask them like if like, you know, if like if they have any questions, just I always want to provide some type of like comfort and love. And I want to give all of like the love and hugs and well, RIP hugs. But you guys know what I mean? Just be there for anyone who who is having their first child or I mean their second child. And they're still completely it's just we're all in this together. And just remember, no one's an expert. So we all have to start somewhere. So this episode is broken down into kind of like a few different categories, I guess you could say. And the first that we were going to start with is about newborns. And the first question, oh, I also should preface by saying that I had posted an Instagram story a few weeks back and asked if you guys had any questions for this solo mama episode. And there were so many amazing questions. So I really just extracted every single question that you guys had sent through as long as as long as it was relative to this episode. And we are going to run through those. So the first question, what are your newborn must-haves? Okay. So I have a blog post actually that lists all of my favorite baby registry essentials, which is somewhat humorous because I never even had a baby registry. I didn't have a shower or anything. Um, I'm just, for those wondering why, I'm Jewish. 
most Jewish women don't have one. And this is like kind of way back when a lot of my friends that are Jewish, they're still having them now. Totally fine. Do whatever works for you guys. But I did do a roundup on all my favorites because it's confusing. I remember when I found I was pregnant, I wanted to like start shopping. Like, oh my God, mom, we have so much to buy. There's so much to get. And it's more than just like diapers and like there's random things that you just find out that you need. So that blog post has everything. And I keep, I continuously update that to make sure that, you know, I felt that those were good things to invest in and the brands that I love to use. Um, But a few off the top of my head, definitely a shush machine or some type of like white noise machine. I at first didn't want this because I didn't want Ezra to be addicted to like only falling asleep to noise. But yeah, I needed that. Like the shush machine was the best 20 something dollars I ever spent on Amazon. I linked to the exact one that we have. We still use it to this day. Now it also doubles as a toy for Ezra. So that's a must have in my opinion. A swaddle that is easy to wrap. You're going to hear a lot about swaddling. I guess what? I still can't wrap a blanket into a swaddle. Jordan somehow is like Mr. Mom and is so good at it. I needed a swaddle with like a zipper, Velcro, like a magnet, anything. Get a swaddle that's easy. They're going to come out of the swaddle. Ezra used to like wiggle his um like hands out because like the purpose of the swaddle is to have basically so that they don't like move in a way and then when they're sleeping and that their arms are like you know, in in the blanket. And as like loved having his hands behind his head so much that we actually got a swaddle that allowed the baby to have their hands like next to their ears. Again, that's linked in the post too, but that's a must have. And that was like the only swaddle Ezra would sleep in when he did sleep. Um, And then for the the moms and the dads and anyone who is going to be with you, a lot of really cute and comfy pajamas and loungewear. You're going to be home you're not going to like, you're not going to look your best. You're going to be tired. You might as well get invest in like a few cute sets of pajamas that, you know, you look in the mirror, you feel immediately feel good about yourself. You're like, oh my God, these cute pajamas. It's great that I'm home all day. Have an excuse to wear them. And other newborn essentials, guys, make sure you have food in the house. Like make sure there's something for you to snack on. You want to make sure you're stocked or at least have some takeout menus that you like. People are also going to want to bring you food. So definitely mooch off of that and mooch off of all of the help because, you know, they're not going to want to help you once the baby's not a newborn anymore. Don't worry, mom and uh, Alyssa, I'm not talking about you guys. Um, what else? Newborn, a g- good stroller. Again, all of this is in the blog post. What is the What was the hardest thing about bringing a newborn home? Well, the day that we brought Ezra home, it was 15 degrees Fahrenheit here. And we walked into our apartment after not being here for five days and our heat was broken. So for us, the hardest part of bringing a newborn home was A, bringing Ezra home after being in the hospital for four days. In general, it's just you're scared. You're scared shitless. I remember being like, oh my God, what do we do now? Like, what's the first thing that we even do? And then number two, we didn't have heat. So I was like bringing my space heater and like sitting next to Ezra on the floor, making sure he was staying nice and warm. Um, For those of you who don't know, Ezra was actually born premature. So he was born four weeks early. I went into labor the day I turned 36 weeks. So he was like, I mean, if he came a day earlier, I still technically would have been 35 weeks. He came really early. He was totally okay as a preemie. Um, he, we stayed in the hospital a couple extra days. He swelled some of my blood because I had a C-section. He was super breached. Um, there was no turning him. No way I was going to be able to deliver him vaginally. And when we did the C-section, all went really well. And but he swallowed my blood and all of a sudden he was coughing up blood a couple of days after he was born. We didn't know why. So he was in the NICU. Um, so then he came home. But 
hard to bring a newborn home is just the adjustment. Like you're going to look at your couch and you're going to look at your bed and your TV and you know, life's never going to be the same. And I don't mean that in, in a negative way. It's just, it's never going to be the same. Like the way that you live in your home now is just not the way you're going to really live, or at least for us, it's not the way we live. And it's weird. I don't even really remember our home without Ezra. Like it's, it's just this crazy thing. Your home's going to feel so much more full and so much just more homey. Now that you have, you have your special baby or babies with you. It's, it's such a cool feeling, but, but scary at the same time. Uh, which actually transitions to me, which to the next question, which is when did you know you had postpartum depression? How did you start to feel better? So I would say, to be honest with you, I didn't realize I had postpartum depression until after I went through everything. Um, I I realized it. I was sitting at dinner for my brother's birthday. So that was back in November. So I had it for a while, I guess you could say like 10, 10 months or so. Um, I just, my hormones were all over the place. I never wanted to like harm myself or Ezra. I just, I didn't feel good. I would just like, I would, for a little while, I wouldn't feel good. Then I would feel really good. It was almost just like my hormones, my emotion, everything was just fluctuating. It was all over the place. One day I was like lashing out on people. The next day I'm like hugging people. It's just, it was a very, very hard time. Um, You're finding your rhythm. You're tired. Also, Ezra was colicky. He was colicky for eight months eight straight months of Ezra screaming all day, every day, besides when we did sleep training, which I will get to soon. That kid, he's still, he has, he has a temper. I don't show his temper on Instagram because I don't know, those are his vulnerabilities. I don't want to share him like screaming and crying. That's not fair for him, but he was a tough kid. Like he it could always be harder. It could always be, you know, quote worse or in whatever way, but he was really hard. And that took a toll on my emotions. At that time, you know, Jordan was working in an office and he would leave for like the gym or whatever around 6.30. He'd get home around 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. So we do have a nanny for Ezra during the day. But, you know, I work from home and that was I never really had time away from him and for more than an hour or two, especially because I was nursing. So it was it was just it was hard. I think that if I knew if I realized when I was going through it that I had it, I definitely would have sought out help and therapy and talk to people. I mean, I. I maybe my form of therapy for that and how I got through it was really just talking to people. I was always very open about how I was feeling. I just don't think that I directed it or labeled it with postpartum depression. But when I was sitting at my brother's birthday dinner with my family, I was like saying, Oh my God, I miss Ezra. And it was like 30 minutes. And my mom was like, Yeah, I don't know, you'll see him soon. And then I just started crying because I realized like I didn't have that feeling. Like a while back. And maybe it's because I really never left him that much or went out to dinner at the time. But when I left for that little while, I was so happy. But like, that was one of the first times I left. It was only for a few minutes. And I was so, I was like, oh my God, I miss him. Like, I can't believe I'm not feeding him dinner. So I just started to feel better, I think, on my own as the time went on, as I adjusted to motherhood. But I definitely should have sought out help. I don't, I'm not anti-help at all. And I know a lot of people in my life have taken like medication for it. I do what you can and do what works best for you because this is such a special, it's just a special time. Like every, well, every part of their newborn phase and the child, now he's like 15 months, like everything is such a special phase and you want to be there and you want to be present for it. So it's good to, you know, feel your best self as much as you can. But at the same time, don't pressure yourself to think everything's has to be so positive and happy. Mom struggle, dad struggle, everyone struggles. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be days that are amazing. There's going to be days that suck. And 
if your kid's in a really bad mood and doesn't stop crying all day, well, like we have those days too. And I always really told myself that as well. So the next section after newborns is about nursing. The first question, did you always know you wanted to breastfeed? I did. But when I said I did, I didn't realize what exactly that would entail. I remember standing, like walking in Tribeca when I was pregnant. I was on the phone with my dad and I like told him what I was doing that day. And I had a bunch of appointments. I was going to like meeting to like an acupuncture appointment to another meeting. That Mandy, I was trying to squeeze everything in in the day. And I was like, yeah, you should enjoy all that now before, you know, Ezra comes and you can't really be doing things like that anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you know, nursing. I just, I never realized that when you are nursing, you're truly, truly giving up a huge sense of yourself. I think for to me, it was harder to nurse and it was more challenging and more of a commitment to nurse than be pregnant because, you know, when you're pregnant, you can like go out and do whatever you want as long as, as long as you're feeling well. And when you're nursing, you have to be with your child. So you can't really do things like go to acupuncture or like travel into the city, which could take 40 minutes, be in the city for a while without having to pump and this and that. And I didn't realize that it was such an investment and it was definitely, it was challenging. It was, that also probably played a huge role in my postpartum as well, because it was hard. It was very demanding. Um, I weaned Ezra. We were totally done nursing by the time on his first birthday, actually. And I, I am, looking back, I loved every moment of it. I didn't realize how much I loved it until it was over. But it's one of those things where I knew that it was such a blimp into his life and all of a sudden it would be over and done with. And one year is compared to nothing of the like a billion years that we'll have together on this earth. Um, What are some of your tips? Some of my tips for breastfeeding, eat, don't stress. Definitely just make sure you're eating enough because I didn't realize how much I had to eat to breastfeed and sustain my supply until I was actually doing it. I like you, I was eating like I was running for a marathon. It was wild. I remember eating an entire pizza myself and like still being hungry after and having like cookies and then like finally feeling it's just, you always, always were eating, um, a lot of carbs, a lot of fat, a lot of protein, really just a well-balanced diet, I guess you could say. And I didn't put stress on myself that at first I, thought I was like, oh my God, I'm eating too much. I'm like, no, like I'm technically like when I was nursing, that's when I felt that I was eating for two. I didn't feel like I was eating for two when I was pregnant. I never said that because I never actually felt that much hungry when I was pregnant compared to breastfeeding. I was so much hungrier and it was actually kind of fun because I make food for a living. So it was awesome to be able to like, you know, really, I would say almost double my calorie intake if I had to guess and think about it um, compared to like probably what it was before Ezra and probably similar to even what it is now. Um, another one of my random tips is like to take sunflower lecithin or let I'm definitely not saying that correctly, but it helps prevent clogged ducts. When I had my first clogged duct, um, a lot of moms had messaged me and highly, highly recommended that. And once I started taking that, I think I just took like one gel capsules, sorry, two gel capsules at night before bed and knock on wood, I like never had a clogged duct again. That's linked on my Amazon shop page too. So I'll put all these in the show notes. You guys have super easy access to everything. Um, the next question, what was your weaning process? So I started to, I dropped pumping first. I despised pumping. I know some moms exclusively pump and they love it. And honestly, I bow down to you because I hated pumping so much. I would pump like two to three times a day um, and nurse Ezra around four times a day when I started to wean. 
And he was also eating like solids at this point because it was around like 10, 10 or so months. So the first thing I dropped was the, were, the, were the pumping sessions. So I went from draining my boobs ultimately like seven times a day to draining them four times. So yeah, four times a day. And I did that for about a month. And honestly, when I stopped pumping, I was like, I could sustain this for a while. This is great. Um, I really en- enjoyed it a lot more. But also at the same time, Ezra didn't need as much milk since he was eating food. Um, so after a month of that, I then dropped from, so when Ezra was 11 months, I went down to three nursing sessions. Then two weeks later, I went down to two nursing sessions, stayed that for a while. Then I went down to one um, session in the morning. And then I think it was like a week or so later, it was all all done. And then, well, actually it was all done. And then a week after that, I had another clogged duck and Ezra just like, I didn't, I didn't want to pump to get rid of it. So I just had, I nursed him for like five minutes and that was technically the last time. Um, so yeah, it was around his birthday. The weaning process was definitely, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. It takes a while to really drain your boobs. And it's funny because I, when I was nursing, I was so concerned about my supply the whole time that when I started like weaning, I'm like, wow, like I really didn't need to be as paranoid. So looking back and in the future, um, I'll likely nurse again as long as I can for like our next or however many children that we have. Um, but it definitely like I would put a lot less pressure on myself. Why did you start weaning? Um, well, this time I thought I was going to be going on a book tour in starting in March. So I wanted to be done weaning so I wouldn't have to pump and travel with a pump. Um, when I was on book tour, looking back, technically didn't have to do that. But again, it's been awesome trying to get my body back on track, trying to get my hormones in check. Um, I really, you know, I was ready mentally at the time and I don't like wish I went longer. It would have been great if I did, but it's not something that I look back. I'm like, oh damn, like wish I didn't stop. It's been really nice to have, you know, have my body back to myself a little bit. How did you deal with weaning, especially at night? Okay. So this was a huge question about nursing Ezra um, before sleep. I've never, I never nursed Ezra before sleep. I had heard that this was an issue for like other moms where it was really hard when you were stopping to nurse or even, or even, even when you were starting to sleep train to cut like the nursing part of that. And I just didn't want to, to have to deal with that. So I never did. I never nursed Ezra to sleep only when he was like a little, little baby. Um, that's cause you know, the first I would say three to four months, I nursed Ezra like every hour. I was always, always, always breastfeeding him. So at that time, maybe he did. But again, Ezra, he was colicky and he didn't sleep. Like he was up all night, every night. So it just, what he wasn't really phased. You know, he's, Ezra is, um, he is a man of his own, my friends. He has more personality than anybody I know. So I, I don't think I ever actually nursed him to sleep now that I'm even saying that out loud. How much milk does Ezra drink and what milk did you supplement for Ezra? So Ezra doesn't have bottles anymore. I stopped giving him bottles when did we stopped at 13 months, I believe, like maybe even a little bit earlier than that. He's never really been so attached to his bottle. He just loves food. He loves food so much more than anybody I know. And it is the most beautiful thing to see his passion for food. Now that's the only thing that ever gets him angry is when he's eating and then he's done eating and he realizes he's done eating and he goes crazy. So when it came to like the milk, milk in a bottle, I just, 
you know, he was eating enough at the time. And when I called the pediatrician at 10 months, she had told me, you know, don't worry about it. Like he's growing at a great pace. Um, he doesn't, you know, you don't have to give him any form of like milk if you don't want to. But when I was weaning, I supplemented with nut milk. I didn't use formula. I didn't use whole milk. Um, I used nut milk really because I felt that it was, you know, a great source of having like nuts into his diet and making sure he didn't have any allergies to that. I also am all about killing two birds with one stone. And Jordan and I use so much nut milk that it was great to have that in the house that he could just have two instead of having, you know, designated Ezra milk and then like mommy and daddy's milk. We all just like use the same food and beverages. Um, so he had that for bottles, but again, he's never really attached. So I didn't supplement with formula. I'm not anti-supplementing with formula. I just never really had to. So by the time I was done weaning, he would have like a little bit of nut milk. He had the rest of my freezer stash of breast milk, which by the way, I was so consumed with having this like freezer stocked with breast milk. And then when I was done nursing, I'm like, why was I so obsessed with pumping my boobs all day? I never left Ezra for more than a day. And he didn't even like need the milk. Like it was, I just, I was so fixated on having this like epic freezer of breast milk. And then I was like counting down until like the last time to get rid of it. I thought I was gonna have to make oatmeal with it or something because I had so much of it. So don't put pressure on yourself to like pump unless you are working in an office or aren't with your baby as much. If you're home with your baby, like, I, I mean, I don't reckon, I don't think that you really need that much frozen milk if you don't plan on leaving him that much. I had enough to leave him for like the one night and that was pretty much it. So so to go from nursing now to food, Ezra's favorite topic in the entire world and definitely the most frequently asked topic from all my mamas out there. Food and Ezra. Oh, what a bond, you guys. What a special bond Ezra has with food. From the moment he first had an avocado, he was it was actually on his five-month birthday. He was being so like, you know, the I mean, yeah, five month birthday. Um, he was being so cranky and I was home with his nanny and I looked at her and I'm like, you know what? He's five months today. We're gonna start having some avocado. Let's see if it like calms him down at all. He was so happy eating avocado. I just cut it up into little pieces and almost made like a chunky guacamole. I just fed it to him. He was in heaven, like didn't want to stop. He loved it so much. And from there, you know, the rest is really history. From there, we did sweet potatoes. Then we did, I think, like chicken and banana. And I wasn't, I didn't have like a set method that I wanted to do when it came to introducing food to us. I knew that I didn't want to create like a food monster similar to my brother, Seth Mansfield, who is definitely not listening to this podcast right now. But he was so picky with food growing up and it's not my parents fault like he just is picky he was just very picky at the time but i was i'm so scarred from him like he was the type of kid where if he had a yogurt and he was like my parents would put sprinkles in it because that was the only way he would eat like yogurt and he would like if you mixed the sprinkles into yogurt he would like throw it at you like wouldn't eat it would only have sprinkles on top of his yogurt had a separate utensil for every single one of his of his foods, um, only really wanted to eat like pasta and butter, like really, really was just picky. And I'm three and a half years older than him. So I like vividly remember him having temper tantrums daily for about food. And when it came to feeding Ezra, I'm like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. Like I'm not making Ezra a separate meal when he's five years old just because he like doesn't want to eat what I'm making for dinner. And my mom had to like bust her ass, like make 
7,000 different meals for everyone in our family. And, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to do what I can now to prevent that, which is Ezra eats whatever we eat. I guess you could say in a way we did the, I really didn't read much about baby led weaning. I've heard amazing things. I know that you don't really give the baby purees and I didn't give Ezra much puree. Um, the only time he did was when we would have like pouches uh, like a couple times a month if we were like out running an errand and it was just easy to throw into my bag. But I also would just throw in like creamy nut butter packets, like anything that could be um, easy fuel for him. But I didn't follow a set method. I just, you know, as a mom and as a dad, like you have an intuition and you have you I really believe that you should follow what your gut says for everything with your child. Um, and I knew that Ezra was just, you know, I want to just feed him whatever we were eating. And that's just kind of how we went about it. We anything time that we were eating something, like we would give it to him to try. I've gave I gave him nut butter really early on. I think at like six months or so, six or seven months, I went to. So my brother also has a nut allergy, so I was a little nervous about the nuts with Ezra. So that was I. That's why I introduced peanut butter at such an early age. So we did it in the parking lot of his pediatrician's office, like going into his appointment. So God forbid something happened, like we would be okay. Um, so we did that really early on. Then almond butter and cashew butter, and you know, I never really pureed anything to give to him um he always just had like pieces of like banana and now he even when i give him an apple like today like i slice it as you would slice it for yourself like as, as an adult with the skin on big pieces and i'm always watching him when he's eating so i know that he's not going to like off a bit choke or anything serious but it keeps him like occupied when he has like big apple slices and i also just think hopefully it'll help create better eating habits but i'm not an expert this is my first time around um, anytime Ezra is given something and he doesn't like it, I always try it a couple more times. He never just has on his plate like one food group anyways. It's usually, for example, it could be like scrambled eggs, avocado, and like hummus. I'm just making this up. But I would say I give him some eggs. He doesn't want it. I would then try and give him the avocado. And then if he ate the whole avocado, I'd go back to the egg after that if he, and he doesn't want it. Okay. So I go to the hummus. He ate all of that. I go back to that. He still doesn't want it. I'm not going to make him eat eggs. He clearly, you know, d in this situation does not like them. Um, and in that case, I'll give him some more avocado or more hummus. But if for the most part, he's been super easy when it comes to feeding. The only hard part about feeding Ezra is that when he's done with his food, he is so upset. He just gets so sad that the meal's over. And it's like you would think he's going to the electric chair. He like doesn't realize that you know, there are more meals to be had, my friend. There are more meals to be had. And we don't have um, dedicated like Ezra food, you could say, like whatever Jordan and I food prep for the week and whatever recipes and dishes I make, he eats it too. So when I make a banana bread or when Jordan roasts a chicken or what we make meatloaf or whatever it is, we get takeout, like he's eating whatever we're eating. You know, we order like from a burger place over here pretty much every Friday. Ezra gets a burger. And I cut it up with some avocado, like whatever he wants to eat. Um, we were actually with Jordan's family the other day for a socially distanced backyard dinner and they had homemade knishes. I'm like, Ezra, some of the knish. He just, if it's there and it interests him, like I let him eat it. I don't, I just, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to raise him to have a great perspective and outlook on food. Um, Jordan's such a great eater, so he'll definitely lead by a very good example, too, in terms of like trying everything and just loving all different types of food. Um, 
So yeah, feeding Ezra, so much fun. How did you get Ezra to eat food on his own? So two days ago, Ezra ate food off of a fork by himself for the first time ever without throwing it at me. It was a huge accomplishment. Um, It takes a lot of practice. I just kept saying like fork to mouth because he knows like what the fork is. He knows what his mouth is. So it's a fork to mouth, fork to mouth. And Jordan goes, I'm going to hear that in my dreams at night, which we probably do. But I, my tips for how to get your kid to eat food on his own. I mean, when I really wanted to have Ezra try to use the fork to like eat the pieces of sweet potato, I made sure he wasn't starving so he wasn't so frustrated if he like couldn't do it. Um, and I also, we cheer him on like every time he does something that's like, you know, good or like, you know, something if we're like, Ezra, stand up. And he stands up like, we're like, yeah, like go Ezra. He puts a puzzle piece into the puzzle. We go, yay. So when he was doing that, I just kept cheering him on and he loved it. And he just like basks in his own glory. It's the best thing ever to watch. So I would say to get your kid to eat on their own. Again, don't pressure them. Like if they are ready to do it, they're ready to do it. This morning when Ezra had breakfast, I fed it to him. It's not like he's eating every single meal on his own, but practice when they're not that hungry. Cheer them on. Make sure you encourage them to say that they're doing a great job. And again, do you know anyone that has two working hands that like doesn't know how to use a utensil? That's every every single time I say that like he's not doing something or like, you know what? It's going to work out. It always does. He'll, He'll eventually eat from a fork or a spoon at some point. What does Ezra eat in a day? Um, each day it really varies, but he wakes up anywhere between there, I would say like seven on average. We breakfast together around 7 30, 8 o'clock. We sit down. I always eat with him every single morning. He will have really whatever we're having. He'll have yogurt with some like berries and granola. He'll have waffles with peanut butter. He'll have some banana bread. He'll have anything. He's we don't technically, we don't usually do savory in the morning. I think that's really because of me because I do most of the breakfast cooking and I'm not a savory for breakfast fan. But if I gave him like chicken and broccoli in the morning, he'd probably eat it. But so in the bre- and for mornings, he'll have like oatmeal, overnight oats, chia pudding. Think of like whatever I would be eating and sharing on Instagram. Like he's probably eating something similar. Then he doesn't usually have a snack from breakfast to lunch unless we have to go in the stroller for some reason and he's cranky and I give him some dried mango or like organic, like cereal O's type thing, because those occupy him. He loves dried mangoes as much as I do. So we eat a lot of those around here. So those are like two like morning snacks if we need a snack. And then for lunch, he has whatever food that we like food prepped. So if that's like some chickens and vegetables, and that's interchangeable. Actually, lunch and dinner are pretty interchangeable in my opinion. So he has lunch around 12 o'clock because his nap right now is 12.45. So 12 o'clock, 12 lunch, it's either like some protein, like a chicken, salmon, some veggies, avocado. Um, For example, he had the burrito bake that I made for Cinco de Mayo. He had that for lunch. Um, He'll have like avocado. I don't like toast the bread. So it's like really crispy as I whip for myself, but like I warm it up a little bit. Um, I make him like a lot of quesadillas with some of like the siete tortillas. I mash some avocado, hummus, like some scrambled eggs, and I put spinach on it too. And I make it into a quesadilla and he loves it. It's one of the main ways that I get him to eat like spinach and arugula. He actually ate sauteed spinach in a pasta dish I made the other day, which I felt like pretty accomplished when I watched him eat a piece of spinach. But arugula, definitely he's not as into. Um, but I have heard a lot of toddlers really liking and babies liking smoothies. So that's a good way to get some greens 
into their diet too. Um, so we had lunch and dinner, whatever we were really having. If you order pizza, we give them pizza. From Trader Joe's, they have like these organic frozen burritos and their organic frozen pizza. And it's such a game changer to have those because they're easy to keep on hand. I love getting them every single week because there's going to be a night or two that I don't feel like cooking or I'm busy in the middle of the day with work. I don't have time to like make something for Ezra. Um, So I'll like put put one of those in the oven and I don't pressure myself that he has to eat perfect all of the time. Like sometimes most of the food in our house is indeed like organic and made with great ingredients. But if you like go out or do something like he just eats whatever. Like I'm sure the kinish he had yesterday was like nowhere near like something that like I would be making. But again, like whatever he ate it and he enjoyed it. And kinishes are really good. Um, for snack between lunch and dinner. So he usually his nanny really likes feeding him a snack. So I think that's mostly the reason why he has snacks a lot. But he has a snack usually on 430 and it's so cute. He goes, Nana, 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 nana. And he just calls all snacks bananas. Um, so usually that'll be some, like half a banana sliced into like little like quarters, um, some watermelon, a string cheese, really anything like not too heavy. Um, actually Ezra's nanny brought like a tamale that she made from Colombia, and it was amazing. And he had some of that the other day as his snack, like the leftover Joe and he loved it so much. It was so cute. Um, what other things do you like to snack on? I said dried mango, the cereal O's. I'll give him the apple, banana. Um, I'll really give him anything. Sometimes I even just warm up of a tortilla in the microwave and let him just eat a tortilla. Like he's he's pretty easy when it comes to uh, what to feed him. And I love giving him my cookies and like muffins and stuff. Um, now that he's a little bit older, I'm not as crazy with like the sugar. I tried not to give him too much like coconut sugar and maple syrup. And I also didn't in the beginning when he was eating foods, I introduced fruit like like last because I didn't want him to like only crave sugar, especially as someone, you know, word on the street is that his mom really likes sugar. So I wanted to make sure I was doing what I can so that he's not just like asking me for like cookies and bananas and things. So whole snack on like avocado, whole milk, yogurt, coconut yogurt, really anything. The next food question, what are your thoughts on pouches for babies? You know, I'm not anti-pouches. I think it just depends on the quality of them um, from the ingredients perspective. Is it organic? Are there preservatives or any additives? You know, when I look at something for Ezra, I just ask myself, would I eat this? And I try not to give him too much added sugar, like I just said. So there are pouches that like have great ingredients like Serenity Kids. I linked to them. Actually, I have a discount code for them too. I linked to them on my blog on my blog under the discounts code page. And those are great to like bring if you are traveling or running errands and you're you want like your son or daughter to like occupy themselves and have a snack, like definitely a great option. As are like them, my only complaint about pouches in general is just that when he would have them, he just would have spit them up a lot. Um, he also does tend to eat pretty fast, which is likely why, but there's just less controlling the speed of the pouch, um, when, and like how fast he was eating. But again, as long as the ingredients were good, I, I would give it to him nowadays. He doesn't really have them. Um, but I definitely recommend keeping a few on hand. Now, these are some miscellaneous questions that don't, didn't fall into an exact category. The first, how do you keep your home so neat and tidy? Well, thank you for thinking that I have a neat and tidy home. We live in a thousand square feet. It is a joke how small this apartment is right now, especially all being home together. I have a lot of baskets. Baskets are everywhere. I'll link to a few of my favorites. All of Ezra's toys are in baskets. He has 
four baskets in his room and a hamper that's a basket too. So I just think that they are aesthetically pleasing, but they also, you know, they function really well. I also buy like larger toys. Like he has this really cute white wagon and we put toys in the white wagon that's in our living room area. So that way at least like it fits like the white and gray look of our apartment. I do have a whole like nursery reveal on my blog too that has a lot of the things that that we keep in there for Ezra. But um, thank you for thinking my apartment's neat and tidy. I really appreciate that. Don't look too hard. What are your tips for anyone working from home with a baby? <laughs> working from home with a baby is an adventure. That is for sure. Now, I'm not sure if this question is really posed for like pre-quarantine, during quarantine or post-quarantine, if this will ever end. Um, pre-quarantine, it's definitely hard. But at the same time, we had a lot more flexibility in terms of like where I could go to work. And I had a desk in my bedroom. And I would go there to like record podcast episodes and do things. And now I'm sitting on the floor in my closet for the last half an hour, chit chatting with you guys, but my tush is starting to hurt. Um, Jordan has my desk with his like two finance monitors and kind of takes over this bro new bro pad area. I work from like my couch, my living room, the kitchen table, the floor, the bathroom. I'll go on the sidewalk like anywhere I can. Um, so working from home is definitely not, it's not easy, but if you have help, like if you have a nanny or a relative coming to help, um, I would say to, you know, make sure you have a designated working space. I sound hypocritical saying this now, but I did have a desk. Obviously now I don't, but I like having like one spot, like this is where I do this work. Like obviously for me, it's different because I'm in the kitchen and then all a little all over the place, but it's nice just have work spot that's away from your baby. So Ezra is usually in his room for the most part. Obviously he like eats like his lunch and snack outside like in the kitchen area. Um but if I have like a call or anything, I just like leave the area. Just try not to put too much stress and pressure over on yourself with working from home from a baby. Make sure you like communicate to your colleagues that you work from home with a baby, which everyone these days definitely will understand that. Um but I would it's it's not easy. It's not easy. And definitely take advantage of nap times for when you really want to get like some quiet time in and like really do the work that you can't do when they're being when your baby's being a little bit louder, uh, which actually is a great segue to the next question. Does Ezra watch TV? What are your thoughts on screen time? Yes, he does watch TV. Um, not during the day. He watched TV I would say like around that 5.30, 6 o'clock breaking point, um, when I, especially when I want to make dinner because Ezra can't even go into the kitchen and not lose his shit. Like he could have eaten lunch and a snack and like dessert five minutes later if he goes into that kitchen. Mm -mm. It's all downhill. So when I'm making his dinner or making myself dinner and whatever, I put Sesame Street on or like Bum Bum, Baby Bum Bum, like something on Netflix that's basically colors and dancing and singing and he loves it. So he'll get, I would say like 30 minutes max of screen time, but he's not the type of kid who's like sitting there and is captivated by it. Like he's doing that and he's putting blocks, like stacking them. I remember the first time he watched TV, he was probably like 11 months. And I was so excited being like, oh my God, I waited 11 months for him to watch TV. This is going to be great. Like I can get so much done. No, he didn't. He He's not that interested in the TV. Um, he is for like a little bit, like goes on and off, but he's definitely not sitting there. Sometimes I'm wish I, I sometimes I'm like, can you please just like sit there and watch TV for like 30 minutes? Um, but he's, he's not into sitting on his tushy. 
But yes, Ezra does watch TV. He does not have an iPad. He doesn't have his own screen of sorts. I'm going to try and push that off as long as I can, but I'm pretty sure it's inevitable and that one day he will have one. But he also does love, he loves reading books. So sometimes he like looks at books themselves and he seems pretty happy doing it. How much does Ezra sleep? Did you do sleep training? Yes. So I will keep this relatively short because I have a whole blog post on sleep training. Um, But Ezra does sleep right now. He's 15 months and he goes to sleep at 7.30 and he wakes up around seven o'clock. Sleep training changed my life. I did it myself. We didn't have a sleep trainer. Um, I did like cry it out. It's very controversial. But when Ezra was very colicky, honestly, listening to him scream wasn't really going to do anything for me. I, I was so numb at that time. And actually, the funny part is he would scream all day, every day. And then when we did sleep training, he screamed for like an hour or like, no less. He screamed for like 40 minutes and passed out. Like, great. I should have done sleep training like the day he came home. So I do have a whole blog post on this. Again, please do what works for you guys. I know sleep, like cried out isn't for everyone. Um, when I was starting to do it, Jordan was like, please don't do that. I'm not comfortable with it. My mother-in-law thought I was crazy. My mom's like, you have to do it. And I did it and it was amazing. And I highly recommend it for anyone who's comfortable with it. What is Ezra's daily routine? Um, he, like I said, wakes up by seven. We usually like play a little, he'll like read some books. Um, he doesn't really have like a routine, I would say, just his like sleep, eat, and like, yeah, sleeping and eating are like two of his only, I would say, like set things that happen at the same time every day, around the same time. So, say 7 38 o'clock, we have breakfast, he plays, we do whatever. Um, 12 o'clock lunch. 12.45 nap. He's not the kid who's taking that three hour long nap. Unfortunately, he sometimes will, but usually it's like two hours. Still not too bad. So 12.45. But you're 2.45. There are days though that it's an hour. So it's just, it's a gamble. We never really know. Um, he has dinner usually around 6.30. If he has snack, it's around 4.30. Um, again, those are just like usual times he ends up being a little hungry. And he's in bed by 7.30. If we have something that we're doing or something like we'll put him to sleep later, it's not a problem. Um, But I would say on average, he's in bed by 7.30. And the next question, how is Jordan and Ezra's relationship? What are your tips for a special bond for father and son? Well, Jordan is Mr. Mom. He is so much more maternal than I am times a thousand. He is the most amazing father ever. He is so he's just so patient with Ezra. He's so hands-on. He's going to like have such a big ego when he listens to this, you guys. Oh my God, I should probably just stop now. But I'm like, could cry even thinking about how proud I am of Jordan because he is the most amazing father. Ezra loves and adores him so much. He, he wants me involved in everything. Like he wants me involved in every diaper. He wants me involved in every bath. Like every, like he lets me feed Ezra because he knows it's like my absolute favorite, but he changes a lot of the diapers and he loves giving the baths. He loves playing with him. He's just, he's so, so hands-on. He loves helping to make him food. I'm not also trying to brag. I just, I'm really, really grateful that I, that Jordan is very, very involved in Ezra's life. So I think that that in and of itself just really has helped um, Jordan and Ezra have a strong bond. Also, totally forgetting this, back to the newborn phase when you really don't like, when you're not sleeping, we tried having a baby nurse and it just did not work out. I wasn't very comfortable with it. So Jordan was the baby nurse and he would help Ezra fall back to sleep or, you know, stay up with him because usually he wasn't sleeping during that phase. 
And he was, they really, you know, they got to bond at that time. He would give him bottles of prompt milk. He would really just help however he could. Um, and I think that because it's, it's not just one of us, it, it really helped them have a special bond. I would say don't like pressure your husband or spouse or significant other. Like hopefully they'll do it on their own. But I think if you also just try and make things more of like a fun activity, especially like mealtime, that's a really easy time to all sit down together and your husband can feed feed your baby or help make their food or, you know, whatever it is. Um, it doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be all day, especially, you know, when Jordan was working, he didn't see Ezra Monday through Friday. He would leave, like I said, 6.30 in the morning at home, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. So on weekends, he almost wanted to like make up for lost time. And then when Ezra was a newborn, he liked being up with him at night. I don't know how Jordan went to work the next day, but he loved being up with him at night because it was the only time he would see him. Um, so I think just, you know, making time to, for them to spend together. And again, that's not just like Jordan and Ezra. Well, I don't really have anywhere to go right now, but I've only left them for when I went to LA. So they don't really have too much alone time, but they still have such a special bond. Did you know you always wanted to be a mom? I did, which is crazy because I'm not a kid person. When I told my parents that we wanted to start having kids, they thought that I was out of control. They were like, what are you talking about? You don't even like kids. I'm like, mom, dad, I've always wanted kids. I've been naming my dolls my entire life. Like I would always play house. I like dreamed of like my fairy tale, happy ending with my babies and my husband. And it's here and it's happening. And I'm like so forever grateful for that. Um, but I did. I always knew I wanted to be a mom without hesitation. It's just something that feels very natural to me. And it's, you know, I didn't read too many books before becoming a mom. I just went into it with open, open mind. And I have two great examples in my life with my mom and my mother-in-law. And, you know, if I'm half the moms that they are, then I'm doing, doing pretty good. And the last question, what is your favorite part of being a mom? Ezra, my favorite part of being a mom is just that I have Ezra. Like I, uh, when he goes to sleep at night, I miss him. I love listening to his laugh. I just like, love every part every single part of being a mom I love I love that you know he in life he's gonna have a lot of friends he's gonna have a lot of he has a lot of relatives he has a lot of this and that but like I'm his only mom and Jordan is his only dad like we're that like that's a really really special bond that we all have together and I love just sit when he sits on my lap for the 0.5 seconds and I get to like smell him and I get to like see his little ringlet curls up close and I love when I taught him that if you put chapstick on, you have to smooch after. So now every time I put chapstick on him, which is a thousand times a day, he gives me a kiss and it like makes me cry. I love it just every single thing, even like the the downs, hard, like the hard parts. You just I loved every single moment of it. And I can't wait to do it all over again. Hopefully, God willing, when we have more children. So I hope you guys found this podcast episode to be successful. I am now going to not talk for the next like six hours because my throat kind of hurts from talking so much. I also hope that this was somewhat like, you know, hopefully comforts any mom listening to this. I'm here for you. You got this. Do what works for you and your baby. Don't compare yourself to others. Just take others information and make it work for yourself or toss it out the window. And the only person who knows your kid or kids or children or whatever is you. Like You know your kids more than anyone else. So follow your gut and your intuition to learn from everyone else. And I'm sending you guys all of the love. 
And if you enjoyed this episode and if you're still actually listening at this point, I'm over at Rachel Mansfield on Instagram. And please rate and review the podcast if you feel so inclined. Thanks. And we'll talk soon. Bye.